Hi, everyone. This is Oscar Rios from Golden Goblin Press, and you're listening to Legends of Tabletop. That was so sweet. Welcome, <laughs> welcome everybody to the Legends of Tabletop podcast. This is episode 163, and I have with me, of course, Oscar Rios. How you doing? Um, I'm doing as well as anyone who's been running a Kickstarter for a week and is right on the bubble of funding. So um, I'm not sleeping well. My nerves are shot, but um, living the dream. You know, yeah, living the, for the live, course, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's a Thursday night at Golden Goblin Press. You're right. <laughs> I was hoping I pulled the page up before I sat down. I got everything all squared away. I got the hangout out. I got my notes out and got everything. I pulled up the page and I'm like, oh, really? I mean, it's like 400 bucks. Yeah. It's like, it's, really? <laughs> oh, it's, yeah. It's been on the bubble all day. Um, you know, I was really hoping we'd, we'd, we'd fund by now. Again, we'll make it. It's 400 bucks. We've still got three weeks to go. Sure. Um, it's just maddening to be, you know, you know, on that bubble for a while. Um, and then you're looking, it's like five people canceled. If they hadn't canceled, we'd have made it already. And you're like, oh, but you know, whatever. My 10th one, you know, this, you know, I've only had, I've, out of the nine I've done before, I've only had one fail. Got to relax. You know, it'll all fall into place, you know, but you know, who wants to be patient? You know, you, you, right. you know, it's, it's, it's difficult. I'm doing well though. Um, you know, very happy with, I mean, we got off to a great, energetic start um and and you know we're almost there so right right i, I gotta tell you I'm, I'm super disappointed about the one that failed that uh, between twilight and donut I was so uh, looking forward to that book and it just uh. yeah dead not dreaming but it's not dead it's dreaming it's still yeah. it's still there um none of i think only one or two of the authors have pulled their stories from the collection to sell to other um publishers so we're hoping we're hoping one day you know but we'll we'll see i'll be there <laughs> again but you know, now we now we try and do our fiction line as a companion to our games so it's like every kickstarter now we try where we're doing an rpg book we try if it has the legs for it to uh, have a fiction collection come out to support that project. Um, you know, the one that failed, it was a standalone fiction without an RPG companion. So mm -hmm. we're, we're thinking maybe that had something to do with it. We don't know. We just throw stuff against the wall and hope it sticks. You know, we, right, are, right. <laughs> we are, we are, you know, poorly trained semi-professionals here at Golden Goblin Press. You know, we're, we're just doing the best we can and it all works out. Cool. Very cool. Um, how, so, how we have no idea, but it all works out. It's better not to question it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we learn a little every project, you know, where, um, you know, I came into this, um, I knew how to write and I was pretty good at editing and I knew how to motivate teams and organize projects. Um, I didn't have a lot of, you know, business experience of, of running a small business and, that has been the learning curve, but 
you know, knock on wood, five years later, we're we're on our 10th Kickstarter. You know, that's awesome. I, the same boat. Like I listened to a lot of podcasts, so I was like, "Sure, we could probably do that. <laughs> yeah. Figure it out. It's whatever." Oh, <laughs> uh, you you burned for that. You burned. Yeah, well. You know, fire fire will produce some really strong steel. You know, yeah, right. but oh boy, does it burn when you're in that learning curve. <laughs> The beginning was rough. I, th- I think we've, you know, we kind of plateaued. I think we're doing okay. Uh, well, I, so Vince is texting me right now. Vince says, hey, and he wants to know what the hell happened hey, to our Star Frontiers campaign. <laughs> what the hell happened to our Star Frontiers campaign? I don't know. Um, I think it was a timing thing, right? I know you. Yeah, you it's, like, it's so hard to to find the time to to do this. Um, didn't we have like a, a bit of a character rollover too, and somebody was dropping out and we we're trying to work somebody back in and yeah, we, we picked up another place. We lost, uh, I think two players. I know we lost John and I think we lost another player and then my friend Glenn jumped in and then we played a little bit and then the, I think you had come up with, you know, you had Kickstarter coming on and it was like, you know, uh, home things with dance classes and there was other stuff and it just uh, that was a well i would love to revisit it someday i i do love the star frontier setting um i loved how we were all doing the the saurian immigration storyline which with current events would be yeah. even more topical today <laughs> but um no sci-fi is is really you know, before Call of Cthulhu, there was Star Frontiers. And the only thing before Star Frontiers was, you know, second edition Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. Because I'm old. Yeah, um, the spell jammer and things like that. Oh, chill was in there. And chill was my uh, gateway drug to Call of Cthulhu. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so we, we, you've got a new collection out. It's, it's set in the 20s. It kind of creeps into the 30s a little bit. This one's a little bit more... A little darker, a little bit more mature. Why this collection? Okay. So it all started with Cthulhu. <laughs> okay. Which I've got to tell you, we're really, really super proud of how this book is turning out. I ran my Cthulhu adventure at, um, at a convention uh, in Connecticut over the summer. It was the first time I'd ever run Cthulhu. It's the first time I'm running this scenario. Um. I had I had eight player I had seven players I had one standby that I just couldn't turn away so I split one of my pre gens and I said okay you two are twin sisters <laughs> <laughs> and it was like two identical twin sister cats and they were totally cool with that so they had exactly the same stats and school and skills and I just changed the names that's slightly. awesome but that was one of the most intense dramatic call of cthulhu games i've ever run at a con i mean i had three people cry at the ending wow. for inclu- for including me like in full-blown <laughs> tears um and i had uh literally people from the next table over stop and come over and surround my table and say what the hell are you guys playing <laughs> and we're like it's called cthulhu it's call of cthulhu with cats set in dark ages paris and their jaws just dropped like holy you know and it it was as cool as it seemed i was um i was surprised at how 
quickly everybody acclimated to being a cat in the dark ages. Um, so lots of cat lovers, lots of Cthulhu lovers. So anyway, we were hoping to do some stretch goals. And Jeff said, I want to do a scenario where cats are in a detention center, in, a, in an immigrant detention center, and have that as the backdrop. Uh, Jeff Muller, our, our editor and auth one of the authors, and by, you know, day job, he's an immigration lawyer. And it's, you know, a difficult time to be an immigration lawyer because, you know, he's dealing with so much stuff. So he wanted to, to vent, you know. I mean, for every author, what you write is something you need to get off your chest. It's something you want to share. It's something you want to talk about, something you want to start a conversation about. So like, he's like, I want to do a story about cruelty in an immigration center and the cats are the ones solving the, the, the mystery. And I'm going to set it in, I think, I think he was going to set, well, he was going to set it in modern times, of course. And then we said, well, that may be hitting a little close to home. Could you change it to the twenties? He's like, sure. You know, I could change it to, because the, you've got detention camps in Cuba and, and all sorts of stuff. We didn't make the stretch goal. The cat through the book settled down. We moved on other things, you know, so we're talking about what we're going to do this year, you know, what projects we're going to do. Um, and he said, I'd really like to write that, that immigration, you know, the detention camp scenario. He goes, and it doesn't need to be with cats. It can be with, you know, regular scenarios. It's, it's a really good idea. And I'm like, all right, well, you know, that's, that's kind of a heavy, that's kind of a heavy topic. And I said, you know, I have a scenario like that, that I, I'm, I've never even considered publishing because it's a heavy topic. And he's like, well, what's yours about? And I'm like, it's about date rape and illegal abortion in the 1920s. And he's like, oh my God, that sounds amazing. And I'm thinking, you know, is it? <laughs> oh, it's, 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 I'm extremely proud of it. Right, um, I've right. ran it at cons. It is very dark. It is very dramatic. People get very invested in the story and it's 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 a horror it's a horror that you know it's it's a horror that's very understandable it's a horror that you see on the news right and you know god and and god forgive our poor society it's a horror that so many people face in their lives um and he's like well that sounds that sounds amazing we should totally do it now here's the thing i love jeff like a brother but there's a short circuit in his brain somewhere he wrote a scenario that was, and it's in the Invictus one we've got coming out, that is very dark and very violent. Um, and it has, you know, rape and, and, and forced breeding and bestiality. It's the uh, goddess of the white apes with the, the apes of Opar. And I'm like, well, would, would you like me to, would you like some help in rewording the trigger warning? And he goes, why do we need a trigger warning? I'm like, because, because you have you have rape and bestiality. And, yeah. and he goes, well, I, I guess I'm jaded. I didn't realize that. I'm like, didn't realize that. <laughs> this, this is horrific. I mean, we're we're gonna publish it. We're a horror, we're a horror company. It's what we do. But but dude, if you don't see that this is horrible, so Jeff is like, look, I, I've done dark collections before, we're in the horror business you know, what are we, you know, let, let's do this. Right. He says, if we've got your scenario and we've got my scenario, we've got the foundation of a whole collection. I'm sure that we could find other people 
who want to write very dark stories about very difficult topics. So we made a wish list with two columns, the authors we'd love to work with and the topics we'd love to cover. Hmm. And we were able to get people to sign on and pick from that wish list. Um, and then it was like, so are we doing this? Now that we know we can do this, are we doing this? Um, and it was a concern, to, to be honest. I actually sat down and I spoke to my family before I decided, made the final decision to do this because I wanted them all to be aware we're going to be doing something very dark um, that deals with a lot of very touchy subjects. Um, and they were like, no, you have to. You know, you absolutely positive. Not only did they support me, um, they pushed me forward. They really said, no, you have to do this, you know? So, so we're, you know, we did it. We went full steam ahead. We were going to do <clears throat> the Britannia and beyond the Invictus Kickstarter earlier in the year because of, uh, some issues with uh, our parent with Chaosium and others. It was, we were not able to move forward with that in the timeline. So that one got punted to September, which Stuart Boone, our author was really happy about because he had some life and professional things come up and he's like, you're giving me six more months to work on this. <laughs> you know, thank you, Jesus. Right, so, right. you know, you're like, oh, is Stuart going to mind that we're punting him for half a year? And for the record, no, Stuart didn't mind at all. He was thrilled. Right. And um, I lit a fire under my staff. I'm like, OK, we are switching tracks. We are going with this project and we need everything now. We need pitches. We need art. We need to get this video. So it was a runaway train for a few months to get it um, to get it ready to go. But we had a great launch. And uh, what else do you want to know? I mean, it's there's a lot of there's a lot to cover in this project. Well, so I mean, the twenties and thirties are such a turbulent time, like you said, um, and we don't see a lot of this type of scenario. Um, I think uh, Caleb Stokes, you know, you know, with RPPR, uh, I think he did was it Bryson Springs where it was like depression era, so. He, kind of touched on this similarly in that it had, you know, these darker scenarios and, you know, like human suffering, you know, along with the mythos kind of stuff, but it, but it's not a real common thing. Why, why do you think that is? I think these are hard conversations to have. I think people are worried that they're not going to be commercial. Um, I, I think quite honestly, um, I sat on my scenario for more than 10 years before I felt it was time to put it out. And even then, I wanted to talk to my family before I did it. I mean, we live in an age where Salman Rushdie gets death threats because he wrote a book. Um, you know, we live in a, a, a time where, you know, sudden random acts of violence because people don't agree with your, your point of view on certain things are unfortunately a, a risk. Um, so do you really want to draw that kind of attention to you when you can just write about my Migo, yeah. you know, um, when you can just write about, you know, deep ones. And to be honest, I have deep ones in my, <laughs> in my very dark date rape abortion scenario, because let's face it, deep ones are a little rapey. Yeah. That's, that's kind of what they do. And to be fair, 
I've been sneaking in these kind of scenarios into my work for a long time. Um, there's a reason a family way is set in New York because this was the follow-up scenario to the tenement, which is in um, Tales of the Sleepless City, which is about a group of investigators trying to get statements from tenants in a slum, you know, in a, in a, in a tenement slum to get them to sign affidavits to take their landlord to court. Yes, that is a story about, you know, social injustice, but because it was one scenario snuck in, nobody really freaked out. Right. Um, and now we decided, well, you know, we're, we're just going to, we're, you know, we're not going to have the vegetables as a side dish. We're making, <laughs> a, we're making a whole vegetarian book. We're going, you know, it's going to be this in lots of different flavors of this. And it's going to be dark and painful and uncomfortable. And people are going to get upset and we're going to have trigger warnings on everything, but Oh, we're going to do it. And, you know, so yeah, that's, that's where we did it. And, but why aren't there more like this? You know, cause they're hard to write. They're, yeah. they're hard for the authors to write. They're hard for the players to, to play. Um, you really have to have conversations with your players. And even when they know what they're getting into, I mean, I've had players know what they're getting into, listen to the trigger warning and halfway through the scenario said, can I, can I take, can I take, can we take half an hour? Can we just stop and get some air and got some air, talked to them and said, you know, I didn't think it was going to be a problem but it's bringing up a lot of stuff and I just needed a minute to center. And I'm like, do you want to continue? And like, yes, I do. I just needed a minute. Um, and those moments are very powerful and they could be, there could be a doorway for conversation. They could be a pathway to healing, to, you know, coming forward with personal truths that are difficult to talk about. But scenarios like this are, are more than just, you know, beer and pretzels around a table, you know, they're, they can be a teaching tool. They can be a form of therapy. Um, they can be a social conversation uh, mm. be between people who are living, you know, in a slightly different life in a slightly different place, you know, you know, fighting monsters and magic, but with monsters and magic and, and ghosts and spirits and alien technology, people are people. Um, the 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 evil that human beings perpetrate upon one another and the reasons for this is just another level of the horror in the scenarios we're we're doing people are thinking oh it's all about social no it's there there's you know there's all the mythos stuff you're expecting from a call of Cthulhu book it's in there we're just adding one more level to it we're not taking anything away. If anything, these are going to be worse than, than a regular collection. They're not, you know, we're not, we're not lightening anything. We're, we're darkening. If any, you know, we're not adding cream. We're adding more black coffee. <laughs> we're, this is an espresso shot. This is, this is not creamer. Right. Right. And I guess to, to, to speak to what you're talking about, I guess the flip side of that too is, is, you know, for most of us, gaming is a, is a way to sort of disconnect from things that are going on, you know, allow us to, you know, just sort of like take that pause and, and, you know, kind of 
just sort of flush things and, and, you know, get to be the hero and sort of do whatever, you know, whatever the system setting, uh, you know, portrays. So to, to kind of delve into those deeper, darker things, you know, it's just like, ah, oh, you know, I, I did this all day. Like, you know, I watched the news and like, now we're playing this and it's like, oh, yeah. But every once in a while, you're going to want to put on empire of the sun or the color purple or Forrest Gump and watch Bubba die and just be in that and just be in that moment where you know you're completely emotionally raw and have that just wash through you and and kind of get it out of your system. Sure, you know you're you're gonna want it both. Um, there's room for both. Sure, there sure. hasn't there hasn't been a collection like this. There have been scenarios here and there, but there hasn't been a connection collection that it's all going to be dark and. Sure, you know, maybe your group's not going to want to play five of these in a row. Um, that's fine. So, you know, you can sprinkle them in. Sure, um, sure. But every once in a while, you know, you're going to get that serious-minded group that really wants to do something, you know, deeper than killing some Kobos and stealing their treasure. And don't get me wrong, I love dopey, fun, brainless. I mean, we were just talking about our Star Frontiers game. You know, I ran a, a Robotech game based off the Dread system at, at Kineticon, and that was absolutely ridiculous, and people <laughs> loved it. I mean, I, I was actually playing the Robotech soundtrack nice during the game. <laughs> yes, I do have the 25th anniversary Robotech soundtrack. So I had all the theme. I even played the mid-break bumpers when people went to the bathroom. <laughs> so, yes, there's, a, there's room for just complete fun ridiculous gaming to just laugh and get it off of your chest but there's also a very valuable place for very you know deeply emotional dark uh sorts of experiences at the gaming table as well sure now, is this a is this a theme that we're going to begin to see sort of running through Golden Goblin Press? I mean, you have the the story you're telling us about the the Cthulhu thing. You have the heroes of Red Hook, and now you know this uh, you know collection here. Uh, or is it more that hey, we're not going to we're not going to shy away from these topics uh, uh, as opposed to you know kind of putting them to the for forefront? Oh, we've never really shied away. Um, yeah. When when a dark story cropped up, we post a dark story um in our very first book we had uh, let the children come to me which is very dark one of the darkest things we've ever did and we haven't really gone that dark since although we've had some that had trigger warnings here and there um this is the first time we were decided we're really going to delve completely in um I don't think we have the fortitude to do lots of books <laughs> like this. This is going to be very draining on the staff and the authors because sure. of the depth of the, 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 the weight of the material. Um, after this, you know, we've got uh, Britannia and beyond uh, later planned later this year. There's a huge demand for the uh, cold warning stretch gold that we didn't make uh, a haunting in Kingsport. I'm playing with the idea of launching a short one or two week Kickstarter where it's just going to be that scenario. So it'll be like uh, Cold Warning and Riot at Red Plank. It'll be that thin one scenario thing. Because right. that one was, I mean, that we planned to do one scenario and that one was a runaway train and we ended up doing three. The third of which is, I'm really looking forward to that coming out. But no, it's not going, this is not a turning point. This is not, uh, you know, this is not a change of course. This is 
this is us doing this. And then the next thing will be something, something else. Sure. I sure. mean, I mean, we've done a Cthulhu Kickstarter. We'll do anything. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if, if it's entertaining, we've got authors interested in doing it. If, if I, if I'm, you know, half drunk and I think it's a good idea at the time, <laughs> and, and you were there when that book was born. Right, right. <laughs> um, if, if for some reason something happens that enough of us are passionate about, oh, yeah, we're going to do it. Um, and luckily, enough of our fans have, have always decided they'll take that trip with us. And, you know, it's been, it's been a ride. Right, right. Well, and that's we were talking beforehand. I mean that that's a, that's the sort of thing. Like, I I don't know that I'll ever run these, but you know I kept saying, oh, we're gonna we're launching at midnight on on Friday, blah blah. I'm like, shit, midnight on Friday. That's like nine o'clock for me, early backer. <laughs> like, I, you know, yeah. And it it may never come off the shelf other than for me to read through it. But it you know it's about supporting you know independent creators to get you know their vision and to to be able to bring things to bear that. You know, you know, we can all get a crack at. You know, right, right. I'm, I'm thrilled. To, uh, uh, one of the things I'm really thrilled about is we've got three authors who haven't written for us before. That's cool. Um, so we've got uh, Helen Gould, uh, Charles Gerard, and Christopher Smith Adair. And Christopher Smith Adair, is, he's got a career. He's got a body of work. He's just never, somehow, you know. We, we just haven't worked with him yet. And this worked out great, you know, delivered the pitch we were looking for um, on the topic we were hoping to get. And uh, we're really thrilled to be working with all of these people for the first time. Cool. Well, and I, you know, I think the interesting thing is it, do you find that the Cthulhu audience is more, it's a more mature game overall, right? Like everybody plays D&D. They all start with that when you're a teenager. It gives you that power fantasy trip and you can do anything and you make it through to level 30 and you're, you know, you're a god. Where, you know, in Cthulhu, you're a fallible human. You're playing Joe down the street or, you know, uh, Flapper Sally or whatever. Like there, there's much more human frailty and foibles that I think, Older players, and I'm making a huge generalization, but I think older players or more experienced players embrace that, you know, higher chance of failure or or that human frailty more than, you know, someone who's like maybe either just getting into RPGs or a younger set where, you know, it's like, oh, that's that game where you go crazy or, you know, why do I want to play that? You just lose. Like it's it, it's it's definitely changing. Um, I will say that, yes the average call of Cthulhu gamer at a con is a lot more mature. It, it, it's, it's a level of maturity uh, that a lot of other gamers who are sitting down for other games don't have. Does right. that mean they, they chronologically are more mature in some cases? Yes. But we have a lot of, we have a lot of parents playing call of Cthulhu with their children, <laughs> which is really amazing. And you can see the kids are like, oh, I've got a shotgun. And the dad's like, yeah, that's not a good thing. <laughs> if, you, if, if you're starting with a shotgun, that's not a good thing. Yeah. And like, oh, why don't we just draw? No, you don't draw your gun to threaten someone. So you, you, you see the young kids getting slowed down. Um, you see a lot, more, uh, a lot more people interested in role play. Um, a lot more people interested in who their characters are and what their motivations are. Um, Sometimes an even split between genders. 
sometimes even groups with more female players than male, which is phenomenal when I see that happen. Um, the, the, and I don't want to make generalizations, but uh, women are women and men in a group together. It's a whole total different dynamic than just yeah. men or just women. Yeah, it changes um, for sure. So I love that mix. Like when you get a well-balanced group of maturity levels and genders and, um, then they'll see like one person will see something that no one else will because of, of who they are and where they're from. Mm -hmm. And they'll bring that forward and everybody else will be like either, no, that would be so unlikely. And then other people, you know, and then the light bulb goes off like, Oh my God. <laughs> um, so that's always wonderful. So, I think as a as somebody who runs Call of Cthulhu at cons a lot, I am blessed with the quality of the Call of Cthulhu role players. And I think a lot of them will be able to handle this level of material. When I ran this at cons way back when, um, I was just starting out in my career and I couldn't get the 8 p.m. slot because other gamer, other keepers were getting those slots and there was too much Call of Cthulhu. So I would have to run at odd times. You know, <laughs> this was a long time ago when I was like <laughs> nobody. I mean, I'm still nobody, but I'm somebody in this little small pond. But anyway, so I'm like, I've got this really dark scenario. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay up late. This is tell it was my twenties, <laughs> and I'm gonna run this midnight to four a.m. And nobody's <laughs> checking on you midnight to four a.m. You could run anything you want. And I've got this one with, you know, date rape and, and abortion in the 20s. And I've got players sitting down at midnight to play this. I'm like, all right, listen, this is what the scenario is about. If you've got any problem, find another table. Nobody left. They all just, oh, boy, this is going to be <laughs> we're, we're in for it now. We came to the right table. Um, if anything, the players are more eager when they find out it's going to be uh, something really, really dark. Yeah. And what's really funny is that's how I met Lisa Paddle, my editor. She was a player in this scenario at a midnight to four around. And we've been friends and, and friends ever since and started working together about a year after that. That's awesome. Cool. Um, I, I got lost in your story and I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> Sorry. Take, take notes. I, I, I need your direction. I'm kind of, I, I have a whole thing here. <laughs> okay, great. Let's, let's get back to the script. Well, you, you'd mentioned, well, so let me ask you this. So, so two different things. Have you found uh, since you've been running from the beginning until now that you find more uh, variability at your tables now than when you started, uh, i.e. more people of color, more women, uh, you know, more, more minorities that play from, from oh, the early days? Most definitely. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm pushing 50. I'm a child of the 80s. You know those nerdy kids on Stranger Things? That was me. All those guys are old now. The next generation, these were growing up with Harry Potter. Nerdy stuff was not that odd. It no. was way more mainstream. And those people are already having kids that are already playing in cons. Right. <laughs> um, and those kids, my parents were Harry Potter people. I'm a Marvel guy. They've got no problem with nerdy stuff. So you go to a con now, and there are people there that you would have never seen at cons in the 80s. And my first con was 1983 in Columbia University. So, you know, I was the only brown kid there. Hmm. Um, and now it's, you know, it's every 
you know, every gender, every age group, every orientation, um, you know, every it's, it's everyone. Right. Um, and I'm, I'm loving that. I'm really, you know, for somebody who's been part of the community so long to have seen it change and grow and develop and diversify. And yes, the community has problems and we could do a whole show yeah. about, you know, gaslighting and, and, you know, gamer, you know, gamer gate and all of that. But I'd much rather focus on, on how it's grown uh, and, and improved and become more welcoming well, it's Over better the for the. Oh, I'm sorry. As I say, it's better for the community. It's better for the hobby, right? I mean, because it brings different voices in. You get to experience different things. You get, you know, even sitting at the table with a player, you know, they have, hey, did you notice this thing? Well, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, we would have never noticed it. Well, that's cool. What made you think of that? Like, it just engenders such a, a more diverse experience, which is so much better for everybody, really. Right. Uh, one silly, silly example. I was running a, a Cthulhu Invictus in uh, Carnage, and this one was steeped in uh, Celtic folklore. It was set in Britannia. It's up near the wall, so it's like the British-Scottish border. Um, and there's somebody's farm that's infested with pixies. So there are creatures trying to drive the farmer off his farm. Um, they end up capturing one of these non-human things that are kind of driving the humans off. And it actually speaks a very ancient form of Brythonic. And they negotiate a settlement that the people in the farm will bribe these creatures and these creatures will leave the farm alone. And they said, well, what do you want? I said, well, if you could leave out some milk and some bread and, you know, maybe, maybe some sweets and this one you know, woman who was, you know, ethnically Irish and into her culture was like, oh, my God, it's it's your typical fairy offerings. Mm-hmm. I said, you know, are we the people who created this myth <laughs> of leaving milk and, and bread and cookies out for the fairies so they'll bring you good luck? Because they said, well, we could also use our magic to help make it rain more regularly and help the animals be more fertile. Like, we don't have to use our magic to hurt the farm. We can use our magic to help the farm if you just let us let us live in this cave and you don't bother with us and leave out some food. Yeah. So again, that was something that unless you had that, you know, person who knew a lot about Celtic folklore for some whatever re- weird reason quirk in her personality, like she got that and yeah. she informed the other players, like, oh my God, we're the creators of this of this tradition. Right, right. Um, so she got it but it was because we had such a diverse group and because we had that one wonderful oddball player who for some weird reason knew a <laughs> lot about this obscure stuff. I knew a lot about it because I researched it to write the scenario. This sure, was sure. just something she had. Um, so you're seeing more and more and more moments like that where people are bringing in this wide array uh, of knowledge because of the uh, diverse cultures and and groups that they come from to they bring that to the gaming table sure when you were telling the story the first thing i thought was a butter tie you know to the to the fey that sort of thing yeah (laughs) cool i was so to to backtrack a little bit um and and could you know you know call cthulhu you know we have seventh edition so that's you know new new things going to bring more people to the table necessarily every time we turn something over uh same thing with fifth edition but with with fifth what you see is a lot of 
uh, you know, a lot more streaming, you know, Twitch games, you know, we play, you know, online too, although we're not doing D&D right now. Um, so do you, do you feel like the, the explosion really that you see with fifth and with streaming and, and bringing all these younger folks in bleeds over transfers over to games like Call of Cthulhu and some of these other games like Day Trippers and other stuff to, to bring more people into the hobby overall? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. You may not come, you may come to the gaming hobby, never having heard of Call of Cthulhu, but eventually you'll figure out that all that cool stuff in Hellboy and those monsters and stranger thing and everything in, you know, you know, everything in the thing, you know, cosmic horror is out there, you know, the, you know, reanimator, all of that. Eventually people will figure out, Hey, wait, there's a, role-playing game that I can go through an adventure like the movie The Void or yeah. John Dies at the end and like that kind of horror and there's a role-playing game for it well I've got to try that and usually when they try it they're hooked right. I mean we're, we're not as addictive as Warhammer thank god <laughs> And not well, as expensive Well, we're a lot cheaper We are a lot, <laughs> and we take up a lot less room um, and I remember I tried Warhammer once and I was praying I'd hate it. And I did. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> it's like I tried crack and I didn't like it. And I'm like, why am I, why, why am I trying this? Because if I like it, it's going to ruin my life. And I, I, I remember thinking that. But, you know, they had, hey, come try Warhammer. It's, and we're doing a two-hour dirty demo at the con. I'm like, I've got to try this. That's God, I, get you. God, I hope I hate it. And yep. I did. Because I, I can't paint and I don't have – I have kids – um, so it's a hard, it would have been a horrible hobby for me. Yeah, the first taste is free. That's how they lure you. Yeah. They're like, oh, yeah. just look, look at all. It's really, we'll show you how to play. Here's the books. This is what oh, you have to I, do. I've got my whole pusher thing for Call of Cthulhu <laughs> too. I'm like, look, it's easy. It's over and under one to a hundred. If you know greater than, less than, and can count to a hundred, you can play this game. It's right. that simple. There's not a lot of math. What math they have? We have charts. You're gonna be fine. And you know, there's you know, there's no spells, and if you do get spells, you probably shouldn't use them. But we'll get to that. <laughs> it's just you're a regular person, you know. Right. You're a waitress, and they're like, okay, I can do that. I can do waitress. And then four hours later, they're like, are you running anything else this con? Oh my god, this was amazing. <laughs> um, and then you know, I see them at cons every year, you know, and the fan base. Yeah. See, I, I like that so much more these days. And maybe it's just because I'm old now, but like my, my favorite games are just like, like our fear itself game, you know, you're, you're just normal people, right? So the decisions you make really matter because there's no magical heals. I mean, I guess there could be, but typically there's not a magical heal spell. Like if you get hurt, you're in the hospital. Like it's you're, you're done, son. Like that's it. You know? So like, well, I mean, we'll spend far too long a lot of times debating on what path we should do and like, how do we want to approach this thing we're trying to figure out, but like, wow, it really matters in a yeah. fictional, not real way. <laughs> oh, it does. It does. And uh, the fact that it's rooted in reality makes the stakes way higher. Um, mm -hmm. I remember having one player put a 45 round bullet in a 12 year old's head in a 12 year old's chest because he was possessed by an undead wizard and he was casting a spell on a party member. And then the police showed up. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, why did you shoot this 12 year old boy on his porch? And he was like, Oh, it's fine. It was self-defense. He was casting a spell <laughs> on my friend. And I'm like, 
<laughs> oh, this is going south real <laughs> fast. But, you know, and then they're like, well, you, you know, when you say it like that, it sounds kind of crazy. And I'm like, uh-huh. So, <laughs> again, the stakes are way higher in a game like Call of Duty. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, I, maybe we should talk about what, what scenarios do we have in the Kickstarter? I mean, I, okay, I we have we really touched on it. Well, I, I, we're, we're getting to that. Okay, so we've got five core, two stretch goal scenarios lined up. Our The first one in the collection is uh, When This Lousy War Is Over by Brian Sammons. Um, the title actually comes from a, a song, a great war, World War I song that vets would sing and it's about how great everything's going to be when they get home. Mm-hmm. Um, and little did they know that they were going to be horribly damaged. Uh, they were going to have to fight for their, their rights. Um, they were going to be dealing with high alcoholism, drug addiction, suicide, and the undiagnosed phenomenon at that time of post-traumatic stress disorder. These guys were pretty much told, suck it up, the war's over. What are you blubbering on about? Um, and that's absolutely horrific. And that's a horror we're seeing today. Mm-hmm. And there is a mythos story laced all throughout uh, this topic, which is centered on a veterans association in Arkham, Massachusetts. So you got a group of veterans, great war veterans meeting in their VA cent- you know, meeting in their VA group, veterans of foreign war association, um, and they're all damaged. They're all dealing with their own demons. Um, and then, you know, you know, these, the, you know, the literal demons start to start right, to make right. themselves know. Um, <laughs> basically, the theme is it's bad and then it gets worse. Um, and we're, we're thrilled to have Brian back with us. He wrote uh, Consumption for us a few books back. Um, another great Arkham scenario. So he's back in Arkham and back with us, and we're thrilled to have. Uh, we have our one of our newcomers, Charles Gerard. Um, he is writing "They Are From Away," which is set in Maine. Um, "They Are From Away" is a Mainer saying, which means um, you weren't born here. Um, even if you came when you were like one years old, you're still from away. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's that whole us versus them mentality. Now, Maine in the 1920s, several interesting things happened. They had a lot of Irish and Canadian immigrants um, who were Catholic, and everyone else was pretty much Protestant. And the other thing that happened is uh, the KKK was able to take control of much of the state's politics. So this is a story about uh, immigrants. It's a story about um, religious persecution. And then it gets worse um, because there's an actual real life person who was with the KKK, who is a former stage magician, hypnotist, you know, spiritualist guy. And we're going to vamp that and basically turn it up to 11. And it's this is it's going to get, you know, again, bad and then worse. Well, before you move on, do we want to out Charles Gerard? I mean, I don't know how much of a secret it actually is. But... It's it's not a secret. He's, he's talked about it. Charles Gerard is actually Keeper Chad on the Miskatonic University podcast. He doesn't publish under his name because in real life he has journalist credentials, <laughs> and he doesn't want those he doesn't want those Google searches to uh, to be to have their you know you don't want to mix your orange juice and milk. 
Sure, sure. Okay. <laughs> and again, Charles is a native Mainer, um, and uh, he's really digging deep on this one. Uh, um, we're very excited to have him. Another newcomer is Helen Gould, and she is writing Fire Without Light, and this takes place shortly after the Tulsa, Oklahoma race riots of 1922. And her theme is dealing with uh, the surging violence against the African-American communities in that area. Um, in, in this particular case, fueled from a white church. Um, the phenomenon of, uh, of hate being mixed with religion is, is baffling and horrific. And then you add the mythos to it and it gets so much worse. Yeah. Um, and this is, I mean, loosely based on actual event. This, this Tulsa race massacre actually happened. I mean, this is not like just a made up scenario. Like this legitimately happened in the world. Yes. Yes. Um, it was the, one of the wealthiest communities um, in the country. And it was literally bombed from the air um, for no reason other than racial prejudice. But, you know, we're not going to, we're, yeah. It is what it is. Um, it's ugly, and we're going to talk about it with monsters, and it's going to be so much worse. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we have a fresh coat of white paint by Jeff Mahler, which we've talked about. He wanted to do something with detention camps, and God help us all, detention camps are not a new thing. Um, he could have said it in modern time. He could have said it in the Revolutionary War period. He could have said it in the Civil War period. And it fits perfectly well in California in the very early 30s. Um, so his scenario is about a camp being refurbished, that it was a, some kind of an old, creepy Spanish mission, that if anybody had done a library use role before they started rebuilding this, they would have picked somewhere else. <laughs> if, if, if Woody had gone straight to the police, this would have never happened. Right. Um, so again, you're dealing with uh, you know Hispanic Americans, Mexican Americans, uh, people who were born here, people who are legitimate American citizens being rounded up to be deported to a country they've never been to, and, right. uh, which again is horrible and actually happened. And we're adding monsters to it, and it's going to be so much worse. And this is around the same time as the Zoot Suit riots, all that stuff. I think it was what Ex like yes. San Francisco. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I remember I was watching something about it. Uh, you know, it's kind of stuff you don't normally hear about. So when I when I saw the scenario, I'm like, oh, I wonder if that's all part of the same same thing. Yeah, yeah. And again, it's the reason you don't see these sorts of programs on the History Channel is the same reason we are not seeing these kinds of scenarios written. They're they're not fun bits of our history to look yeah. at. Um, my scenario is a family way, and it's about a group of independent flappers out for a girls' night who let the wrong men buy them some drinks. Um, these men happen to be a group of cousins uh, sowing their wild oats from Innsmouth in the New York uh, speakeasy circuit. Um, it results in more than one pregnancy, and these men want to bring these women and their unborn children back to Innsmouth. And again... Um, it, it deals with a lot of very dark and heavy issues. This was a hard scenario for me before I was a father of a daughter. And now that I am the father of a daughter, it's, it's even so much harder. 
Um, but again, this is something that happens, you know, with, you know, this is something that we can't pretend isn't part of, you know, the day, the day to day life for many women who have been victims of, of these sorts of crimes. And this will be a difficult scenario and a lot of people shouldn't play this one, but again, you can say the same thing for, for all the scenarios. Sure. Um, and again, get so much work. Um, the two stretch goal scenarios we have are, I'm just scrolling down. Oh, this is a great one. Uh, Dreams of Silk. This is Christopher Smith Adair. We're so happy to be working with him. And this is about the phenomenon of uh, companies putting radioactive material in toothpaste and, um, and you know, cocaine in soda pop just, you know, to give your teeth that healthy glow and to really yeah. cement the, the brand, <laughs> if you will, <laughs> Um, in in your consumer base, um, this was the golden age of of loose cons- no no consumer protection whatsoever, mm-hmm. um, and it's also the uh, period where the cosmetic industry is just expanding. Uh, it's, it's 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 exploding across the American landscape. So we have a cosmetic company in Pennsylvania, which traditionally had really bad. Um, consumer protection laws and uh, and um, employee protection laws. So you've got workers in deplorable conditions producing potentially dangerous products, and then we add the mythos, and it becomes so much worse. Always worse. <laughs> <laughs> Always worse. Um, you know the the there. You know we. It's not a spoiler. It's on the Kickstarter. Kickstarter. You know we talk about a miraculous secret ingredient. And, and any player who's ever played Call of Cthulhu is going to be like, "Oh God, you know this. This is going to go south really <laughs> quick." Um, they're gonna they're gonna read the premise and they're gonna. We need lock picks and kerosene, right. <laughs> <laughs> because this is going to be. We need lock picks, kerosene, and a really good alibi, right. because this is going tits up. This this is going pear shaped real quick. Um, and the last one we have, you know. God willing, if we make all our stretch goals, is um, the Blood Red Mill, which deals with a phenomenon of secret. Uh, this is something that happened at, I believe, uh, Harvard. Don't quote me. Uh, there are other people better at the history than this. Of professors forming secret courts where they would meet and discuss which students they thought might be homosexual. And then they would do everything in their power to expose them and expel them. Um, so this nightmare starts when a young man is exposed uh, for being homosexual in Miskatonic University, who subsequently commits suicide. And then the murders begin. Um, don't really don't want to give much too much yeah, more yeah. away than that. But, you know, the, it's mysterious murders on a backdrop of a secret cabal of professors and, and you know, it's it's Miskatonic University. What did they think was going to happen? Right, you, know, right. yeah, you know, it's witch haunted Arkham. You don't think that there's going to be some kind of unpleasant. Uh, but again, uh, the good Call of Cthulhu players are going to see the writing on the walls really quick. Right, and, the, right. and the angles on these walls may not act, match up perfectly. <laughs> but don't think about it too much and certainly don't sleep in that room. Sure, sure, sure. So that's our collection. Um, we have a. You know, a lot of no two are alike. There, are, you know, only two of them are in Arkham. Only three of them are in New England. They're they're kind of all over the place. Different uh, 
different flavors of of horror. Um, but I, I'm very pleased with uh, the lineup, the authors, the topics. Um, I just couldn't be happier the way the project's shaping up. It sounds fantastic. I mean, I I think you know again for the the more mature players like to to delve into a darker scenario. Uh, I don't want to say it's a palate cleanse because that that sounds ridiculous, but like it does give you that that difference from, oh, from there, what you may normally play. There's a palate cleanse. It's like coming out of a horror movie or stepping off of a roller coaster. It's you, you know you have that 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 rush of having those you know so much fear. Yeah. And, 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 you know, loathing and, um, and then it washes over you and, you know, you can put your dice away and go home and, you know, your mind dealt with it in a way, right. in a safe way. Well, physically safe way, emotionally, like I said, you're really going to need to have some conversations with your players before running. Right. Right. And, uh, the, the first, uh, three stretch goals are, are, are posted up, uh, first goal, uh, expanded, uh, interior art. And number two is a full color interior, so yes. that will be awesome. And and and, this, and the third stretch goal is the sixth scenario, dreams of silk. So, I mean, those. I mean, you should definitely hit all that like in short order. I would imagine. We're knock on wood. Yeah, <laughs> we've we've been on the bubble. We've been at ninety eight percent all day. So, um, I'm not taking anything for granted at this point. I just really want to get over that mark and start hitting some open ground so we can unlock some of these stretch goals. But we've got plenty of others lined up. Um, you know, you, you plan for success. Right. And then you have to, right? Well, you don't want to be caught flat footed. Right. Right. So I can talk about some of the others. If, if you're, you're curious. Sure. Um, we're going to be including eight by 10 prints of, I mean, the cover is gorgeous. Yeah. We haven't had, we haven't had cover art prints since, um, Tales of the Crescent City. And Ruben Dodd did the cover. Again, he's our guy. He's one yep. of, you know, one of our two. So we have three go-to guys now. Ruben's definitely number one of the three. Um, we've got a long, wonderful relationship with him. Um, so luckily, I found a great local printer that I can drive to and pick my stuff up. Nice. He's been, he did our keeper screens and our last couple of sets of bookmarks. So eight by 10 prints became much more cost effective for us now. So we're definitely going back to that. We haven't done it in a while because we didn't have a good local vendor. Now we do. Um, the next stretch goal will be a little bit of a bigger one. And that will be our fiction collection shadows of uh, shadows of an inner darkness. And that's going to be, I think seven or eight really good stories by some of our core authors. Um, it's almost a, um, a spiritual sequel to heroes of red hook mm. because it's going to be scenario, you know, scenarios with, uh, I think in some cases it's going to be almost direct sequels to some of their stories, <laughs> but okay. we're, that's still forming up. We've got a mock-up cover. Um, we just released it on Twitter. If anybody wants to go hunt that down, I think it's on our Facebook page too. Um, when we get closer, we'll uh, release the cover on the Kickstarter page. And uh, we want to do a, a collection of pre-gen investigators. Um, we want to, you know, we're, we're going to let every character, every author come up with their own. Um, mine is going to be a character I created as a pre-gen for my game years ago called Fanny McDougal. Uh, Fanny McDougal is a, I believe she's a cellist, 
from Edinburgh, who's a transfer student to Columbia University, um, that she did some work as a suffragette in the UK and knows jujitsu. Nice. <laughs> because if you look at the history, there was a core group of suffragettes who knew jujitsu <laughs> and used it to defend themselves from, uh, you know, manhandling. Uh, but, you know, it's going to be characters like that, like just, you know, a little they'll they'll be interesting yeah. we're hoping to do a stretch goal we're going to create three investigator organizations that may be involved in fighting for social justice while they're secretly fighting the mythos as well um and uh, another and those will be enlarging the main book and another thing that'll enlarge the main book is jeff muller is willing to put together some sort of framework that all of these scenarios can be run as a campaign. Um, he's done that for us with our Caribbean scenarios in our uh, Tales of the Caribbean collection that those can be run as a campaign. So he's going to be uh, putting together a few thousand words on how these scenarios can all be linked. Cool. Hey, we got a, we got a backer, a backer right in the chat, Max Ryder, not his real name, uh, back and he's looking forward to it. So cool. Well, thank you. Tell your friends, <laughs> please get it. We really want to fund this. <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's like that splinter. You just, yeah. 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 Keep worrying at it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's stressful. It's, they say the five most stressful things in life are um, getting fired, moving, you know, a death in the family, a new baby um, and getting married. Did I say getting married? Anyway, uh, yeah. Kickstarter would be number six. <laughs> cool. He's one of the early backers. So that's awesome. Well, thanks for joining us. I hope it was a convenient time zone for you because it was killing me. To, to, to diverge a little bit from what we were just talking about, um, how difficult is it? Um, you know, because you're a small company, you're trying to put out products, you're trying to, you know, make some money doing what you're doing and also give us awesome things to play with. How how difficult is it to strike that balance between putting out a consistent number of products and just like, come on, dude, another book. Like, I just backed that other thing. Like, give me a break here. We've learned not to do them too close together. Yeah. Um, we haven't done one in a good long while. Um, so it was definitely the time. We've learned not to do them at certain times of the year when people are getting ready to go away for cons <clears throat> or getting ready to spend money on Christmas shopping or still having sticker shock from Christmas shopping, <laughs> right, right. which is why we won't be launching a Kickstarter anytime between Halloween and 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 uh, Valentine's Day. Yeah, um, yeah. No, we also won't be launching a, you know, a Kickstarter anytime between June and September because that's con season and we know all of our gamer friends are traveling. Yeah. Um, so we've gotten smarter about when to do these things, um, how often to do these things. We don't want to do the same kind of project every single time. Um, again, we had a, a Cthulhu Invictus book. The, and then right after that, we did a Cthulhu book because no one had ever done a Cthulhu book. And if you wanted a Cthulhu collection, this was it. And that was very successful for us because it was such a, a unique project. Um, this is a 1920s collection. We haven't done one in a while. Um, so we definitely thought it was time to get back to the 20s. It's, it's not as much of a grind on our staff because we've increased our staff quite a bit. Now We now have three editors working with us. Yeah, three editors. 
um, uh, three different uh, artists. Uh, we probably within we probably have about four or five new authors who are working with us, so we can have two editors working on two different projects um, at the same time, which is what we actually have going on now. Um, so having multiple projects out at the same time has become easier because we're working with more people than we used to. Okay, cool. And I'll, Max, is, he's got Invictus and he's waiting on his Cthulhu book right now. <laughs> he's a super backer. <laughs> I just sent the edits for the Undesirables back to Lisa. And as soon as she's done with writing the Northbound, she's diving back on the Cthulhu book. But we're pushing writing the Northbound to get done because we're hoping to put that out before the first of summer. And that will officially close the cold warning Kickstarter. So we're, we're definitely hoping to put that one to bed and then diving on the Cthulhu grenade and putting that one to bed. <laughs> um, oh, we, we want to get these things out. It's, you know, we've only got so many, there's only so many people pushing these rocks up the hill. Yeah. 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 For sure. He, he said he loves everything golden goblin does, uh, ever since he stumbled back Island Isle of ignorance, uh, years ago and never look back well thank you thanks max cool he said the same thing no worries on waiting i know it's coming no rush right i mean that's that's the kind of battle you hope I don't, for. I don't shut up about it i'll let you, I'll let you, I'll let you know every time uh, you know something comes back from the edits or we get a sketch you know i kind of feel like oh my god am i annoying and then everybody says no we we want to know what's going on and they complain about the people like we haven't heard anything in four months and they promised they'd update every two weeks. Yeah. I, I have a Kickstarter I'm waiting on. We'll, we'll leave it nameless, but it's the same thing. Like, and it was, it was one of those ones I jumped in like right at the last minute. I'm like, ah, 15 bucks, like whatever. I'll just back for the PDF. Cool. We funded everything's ready to go like a year, nothing. And then, right. Oh, Hey, well, this is what happened. And I, I'm going to recommit and I'm, I'm going to get things going and nothing. And like, no, uh, you I, know, I, life's I, complicated, I, but like, like that's the difference we were talking about before, you know, before we got on air, you know, you're like super communicative, which is great. And and maybe it's a little much, I don't know. I, you know, if you don't want to read it, you're like, I call another thing. I'm just going to delete it, whatever. But at least, you know, where things are in the process. And it's mm. not like, you know, you're running away with people's money, right? Like, you know, books are coming, you know, it's, it's not like, you know, I've never heard of this person before or whatever. So like, if you, I don't know, for me, it's, if you have to wait, you have to wait. Like it's, it is what it is, you know? All right. I may not answer every email quickly, but I will try and answer them. I do not hide from people. Um, you know, my email address is Oscar at golden goblin press.com. Um, O S C A R it. I'm, you know, I may be slow to get back to you sometimes, especially in the middle of a Kickstarter, but I'm not hiding from anybody, you know, we're, we're proud of what we put out. Um, we try and keep our backers happy. It's not always easy, but we're not hiding. We're not avoiding, you know, we are accountable when people give us, um, their money in a Kickstarter, we're working for them. And we never forget that. We do not lose sight of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sometimes that means we have to spend an extra six months on a project to get it right. Be, so we can be proud of it. And, you know, we hate making people wait, but we would have hated a lot more putting out something we weren't proud of. Right. Right. Um, and those are usually the, you know, almost always the reason for our delay. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. 
Definitely. Um, in the discussion around the book, has it been generally favorable? I know, you know, you get the online trolls, uh, you know, social, whatever. I, I think most of those are from coming from Russia. So I'm not really, <laughs> I'm, I'm, what's terrible is that whenever you deal with these sorts of topics, the rule of thumb is don't read the comment. You know, you never want to read the comments, but we're running a Kickstarter. We have to yeah. read the comment. And, um, and honestly, there have been a few really hard ones um, and more than and one or two disturbing ones. We're not going to shine a light on anything. Yeah, yeah. But, but a lot of our backers have really been very supportive. Um, they're happy we're doing this. They're, they're proud that we're putting out something so <clears throat> meaningful, I guess. I, I don't want to put words in, in their mouth, but we've gotten a lot of really great uh, support from the community. Um, has it been universal? No. You know, we, we, we get the comments, oh, why'd you have to put out a political book? And I'm thinking, when did human rights become a political issue? <laughs> but okay, um, you don't want to back, that's fine. You know, not every project is for every person. Um, and again, we're not looking to fight with anyone. We're doing what we're going to do. Um, if you want to come on that ride with us, great. We're happy to have you. If you're going to sit this one out, you know, check us out in September when we launch Invictus. We hope to have you back. You know, we're not looking to make any enemies, but, you know, we're, we're very passionate about this project and we were going to do it. And we were hoping enough people would want to go on that trip with us that we'd be able to do it. And if we could just get those last $450, <laughs> I'm sure we, you know, I can finally say, oh, we're doing it, but I don't yeah, want to jinx yeah. myself. Well, Max said he likes the fact that you're focusing on this stuff and, and that it's, that it is important and, and something that we should be talking about. Right. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. If we, if we get, well, since we're talking about horror and we work in Call of Cthulhu and all this kind of stuff, are there any things that for, for you, are um i don't want to say a no-go but but is there anything that sort of like gets under your skin like people have issues with like you know uh you know, body things or like you know certain types of horror uh spiders or or anything is there anything at the table you're just like mm, no i don't want to that's not for me um torture porn hmm. things like hostile and uh saw um like that 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 uh I, 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 it's a turn off for me. Um, I would, if I did include something graphic, it would, in my work, it'd be more subjective, but, um, yeah, in, in horror films, I won't, you know, I've never seen a saw film and I'm probably one of the few, few people who haven't things like the, the green something where those people went in the Amazon and they were just tortured. I'm like, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm that's a no. So personally, you know, torture is is kind of where I draw the line in in my own work. Um, it's not something I want to see. It's not something I'd write about. Yeah, I, 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 you know, the I, the concept of inflicting pain on anything, let alone another human being, for your own sense of pleasure, I find horribly disturbing. Which, again, as a horror writer, maybe that's not a bad thing. It's just not something I want to explore in my work. Yeah, no, or in any, or in my entertainment life, you know. Right, right. 
anything as a player? I, I'm assuming you probably don't get to play very often. No, I'm usually a bridesmaid. I'm seldom yeah, a bride. Yeah. <laughs> um, as a player, <laughs> no, I'm all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the last time I got to play, I both tried to kill another investigator and myself. <laughs> so, and that game was recorded, so you can find that online. Um, yeah. That was a lot of fun. But no, I'm not, I don't really shy away from much. I mean, I'm, I've got, I roll up characters who are addicted to heroin just because, um, so I like, you know, a lot of really weird, horrible things in my role play. Yeah. But I mean, if there was a, if there was a scenario based on, on torture, like if, if somebody said, Hey, we're doing something set in the killing fields with a cult that has infiltrated the Camille Rouge, I'd be like, yeah, no, I'm, yeah. no, I am not. I commend you for your <laughs> delving of this absolutely horrific period of history, but I'm not going on that trip with you. Yeah. Um, the the girls, the schoolgirls that got kidnapped in Africa, and mm. um, child soldiers, you know, kids who are addicted to drugs and given machine guns. No, I, I can't. To right. me, that's just a bridge too far in my horror experience. If yeah. somebody wrote a scenario about those sorts of things, I would commend them creatively, but I, I couldn't play it. That's just me personal. Right. Right. It's on, on the same movie wise. Like I don't, the, the murder porn. See, I, I, you know, growing up in eighties and nineties, horror movies all the time. Oh, let's go to blockbuster and get a horror movie. Oh. Dead and this, you know, but, but then it was, it was silly, right? It's blood and boobs and, you know, the nail gun, the, the nails and nail gun massacre, you could see them bouncing around and you know they're rubber. But now, you know, with CGI and stuff, like, you know, you're, you, I think the, the Evil Dead 2 remake or the Evil Dead remake, you know, you just see like the needle in the eye. Like, oh. I'm out. I don't, I can't, there's it's no a little reason much. for that. Yeah, it's too for, much. For me, believe it or not, I'm okay with the actual gore if it's a monster. But if it's a regular screwed up human being doing it to somebody else, that's where I draw the line. Like Evil Dead, all of that gore and violence, I'm okay with it because those people were possessed by demons and it's not real. <laughs> Something like Hostel, where you've got just sick, demented people yeah, who yeah, yeah. want to... That can happen <laughs> and, <laughs> and does and has. So, no, I'm not, I'm not going there. Um, which again brings us to this project. I mean, what's more horrifying than stuff that can actually happen? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and that's a sad thing too. I mean, it, it is. I mean, mythos aside, these you know, Tulsa race master, like that's a real thing that happened. I mean, that's just, it's terrifying. Right, and uh, uh, a French Canadian immigrant family with burning crosses on their lawn. Um, you know somebody who was you know born in the united states being rounded up and putting in a camp and these are these are horrifying things yeah you know a uh, uh, you know a woman a victim of social sexual sexual assault who's not being believed and having her right to choose what to do about this pregnancy taken away from her that's uh, i mean again i'm not a woman i hate that my scenario speaks on a topic that I feel as a man, I maybe don't have a right to speak on, but this was the story I felt the need to, to tell and empathize with that horror. Um, 
But again, these are absolutely horrible, terrifying things that can happen. And then we add the mythos to them and, and make them worse. And in a way, make them more palatable because there's monsters involved. Again, yeah. like the difference between Evil Dead, the Evil Dead remake and Hostel. Right. They're easier to talk about because there are monsters. Yeah. I, I think for me, tabletop wise, I don't, I, I don't know. I haven't been put in that position to look at something and go, oh, I don't know that I would play. Um, and I don't know if it's just a, a disconnect, right? Because if, if you were in a scenario, you know, as long as it wasn't graphic, like you were talking about, like violence on kids and animals and things like that, like that's forget it. Like, you know, no way. But if it was in a scenario, I suppose it would depend on how it was portrayed. I, okay, I I'm, gonna give, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a question, and this is something that I've actually, this is something real. This actual this scenario actually exists. I have another really dark scenario, and God, now people are gonna want me to print it. Um, <laughs> that all of the characters are Japanese soldiers in World War II defending an island garrison from an American attack. I've got one pre-gen. Uh, who is a veteran of the Nan the, the fall of Nanking, and he's a he's a machine gunner. He has a Type ninety nine machine gunner, and in his character description, um, he's got notches for every woman he raped and killed in Nanking in the butt mm. of his rifle. And on the character says, "But it's not like it matters. They weren't people; they were Chinese," which is absolutely horrific. But that's one of the pregens. Yeah. And when I run that, and I don't run it often because, I mean, for, for F's sake, you can see where this is all going. Yeah, 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 yeah. I have to pull that player aside and say, this is the character. Are you okay with it? And a lot of times they'll say no. Yeah. And, and I, can't, I can't do this. I, I do not, I, I not want to even walk 10 feet in this man's shoes let alone, um, and he's not meant to be a, a positive character, yeah, but yeah. historically there was that mindset with some people. Um, so if, if that happened and you were given that character, could you play him? I, I don't think so. Right. See? You, 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 it's like you said, it's what's on the sheet. So like, that's the, you know, I, yeah, I don't think so. I mean, that that's, it just makes you feel icky. <laughs> Yeah, and and, he's, and again, yeah, it's yeah. a it's a very dark scenario, and that one deals with uh, again some really the the horrors of the Pacific War. You know the 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 genocide aspects of of some of these things. Again, another really horrible real life horror that I've infused the mythos to, so that it can be a conversation piece. But that's again. Uh, setting sun, rising tide, and a family way are the two darkest things I've ever written. And I, you know, it's taken me more than a more than fifteen years to even contemplate putting out a family way. Yeah. Don't hold your breath on setting sun, rising tide. That, <laughs> that. Yeah. One of the one of the goals is uh, there's a Necronomicon pack, which actually has two backers so far. Yes. Um, I will be finding us a conference room in the Biltmore if they'll let me have one. If not, it'll be in my room where these backers will be able to uh, join up with me at Necronomicon and I will run a private game for them. Um, 
you know, we'll we'll see how that goes. You all, it's not that's not all what it is. You also get a hardcover limited edition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get a whole bunch of other stuff. But the kicker is, <laughs> you get to hang out with this amazing individual, and and there may be Doritos. There you, you go, know, and booze. Hopefully, booze. Right? I mean, <laughs> there won't be any booze because we're going to be in a conference room in the Biltmore. Oh uh, well, all right. I mean, maybe like like there wasn't any <laughs> like there wasn't any booze at my room party four years ago. <laughs> Oh, you mean the one we got the, the, we got all kicked out of? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, no, there 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 won't be any booze. Okay. <laughs> I bring my flask every year. <laughs> There's booze everywhere. <laughs> yes, I know. It's just, but we're you know we're responsible drinkers. I mean, you know, you never hear about fights breaking out at a Cthulhu convention. No, no. <laughs> and that that's coming up soon. I'm so excited. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm really I took, looking forward to I'm re- it. My wife and I are really looking forward to it. Um, it's weird. She's really looking forward to it. I'm like, why are you looking forward to it? I think she just wants to get away. She had a really good time last year. We didn't last time. We didn't go to the, the last one, which was just heartbreaking. Um, I was so burned out from Invictus and yeah. trying to push that out. Um, and it was really funny. People kept emailing me like, are you okay? And I realized, oh, boy, the only time anyone ever – cancels an appearance is when they're getting a divorce or they're going through rehab. So <laughs> I had to, I had to release the statement real quick. Like, no, everything's fine. <laughs> I'm not addicted to drugs. I'm not getting divorced. I'm not being, I'm no, I'm not homeless. I'm just burned out and I can't, I can't manage it right now. But yeah, whenever somebody like suddenly cancels, it's in our end, it's usually not a good thing. Um, we're, we're pretty, dependable people yeah, yeah so yeah. when it goes pear-shaped it usually goes <laughs> pear-shaped in a big way uh, and i was so touched that so many people were concerned but no just the worst burnout i've ever had and it lasted like six weeks yeah i, I, I remember I, that yeah um, you know but you know you you learn to manage i'd never tackled a project that large before and i thought it was going to be the hardest thing i've I ever did and it was, but I had no concept of what, <laughs> what, of actually how hard it was going to be. Um, I, I would have even, but I would have done it either way. I mean, when they said, do you want to take over the Call of Cthulhu line? And I'm like, we get to re-release that. We get to remake Cthulhu Invictus the way we've always wanted to. Well, of course we're doing it. We'll figure out how later. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's why I'm not asking them about Cthulhu Dark Ages anytime soon. Right, right. I, I was going to ask you about that. <laughs> no, I'm terrified. I have like I, I recently found a ton of Cthulhu Dark Ages stuff when I was cleaning my den, and I'm like, I'm not even talking to call to Chaosium. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to mention it. I don't want to ask a question because if they say, "Hey, do you want to?" I'm like, "Oh God," you know, because I know I'll, I'll, I'd say yes. It's like Warhammer, it's like. <laughs> I, I, I really hope, you know, save me from myself because God knows I played like three straight years of Cthulhu Dark Ages. I love that setting. Do I want to release another rule book anytime soon? No, no, yeah. I do not. Um, <laughs> I can now add game designer to my resume. Um, that's a hard hat to wear. Hmm. It's It was much harder than I ever thought it would be. Um, it fit well at the end. 
but it, right, took, right. it took it took two years to to break that head in. Um, right. and, and you're you're looking at a guy who can knock off a, a good scenario in five we- in four weeks. You know, there was there was a stretch for a little bit that uh, you were like, oh, I published a scenario in a couple of days. I put, you know, I got another scenario written. I, mean, I have another scenario written. I'm like what? <laughs> After working for Uncathulhu and Victus for two years, I was so <laughs> starved to just write an adventure. And I, I wrote like four or five of them in maybe like four or five months just because I was so happy not to be writing a rule book anymore. Um, not that I hated it. I, I did love it. It was just so hard. And scenarios are, are, are you know, oh, God, I'm going to sound like such a douche. They're so easy for me. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sorry if I sound like a douche saying that. But, you know, for me, it's like sipping a you know, an iced tea by the pool. It's something yeah. I can, I, it comes very easily. You know, I'm, I'm blessed and cursed that way. Right. Bless, blessed and cursed because when I get an idea stuck in my head, I'll write it whether <laughs> I have time to write it or not. So right. it's, it's not, it's not the gift people think it is. Right. Right. You got Max all excited. He's the seventh edition oh. dark ages. You can do it. <laughs> nope. I can do it. I'm not gonna. <laughs> Um, no way. I am not going to do that. Um, they've got better people. They can, they can get to do it. All right, I don't know. God, please. No. <laughs> and then I think to maintain that I need to put out a dark ages book every year. Like, and I have to put out a Cthulhu Invictus book every year. Yeah. We've yeah. got like, we've got like four people who work for this company. <laughs> It's more than that now, but you know, come on, it's we all have day jobs. You know, we're doing this from our our laptops. You know, yeah. I yeah. You know, I I wonder how many people realize that for a lot of these companies that like it's just uh, you know a couple of people or one person or whatever. Like it's not a full time gig for a lot of people. I don't think. I think even when I tell them, I think they forget almost immediately yeah. because. <laughs> Because they they expect me to have the same shipping rate as Amazon, and I'm like, you do realize it's like six douchebags working off their home computers, <laughs> in between their day jobs, you know, when they're going, you know, and and going to the grocery shop, and you know, going to the grocery store, you know, there's no warehouse, there's no shipping department, there's no, no the warehouse is right behind you. Yeah, the warehouse is <laughs> these boxes in the back of my den. You're <laughs> um, but. But we're passionate. We love what we're doing this because we love it. You know, Keith Herber taught me, you, you better have a good time doing this because you're not going to make any money at it. Um, and I, I, I cry and I tell myself that all the time <laughs> to remind myself. But we do love what we do. Um, that still doesn't mean I want to do 7th edition Dark Ages. <laughs> all right. Well, if we're not going to do 7th edition Dark Ages, what, what else do you guys have coming up? What else? What else is in the works? Britannia and Beyond is written. We have several scenarios for a future collection called Tales of the Pacific, which is scenarios set uh, across the Pacific Islands. Um, I've been tapped to write the one in uh, Ponape, so that'll be interesting. It'll be basically what happened to uh, the Kanaki um, after Obed Marsh came and found that they were wiped out, you know what happened to them. And I, I get to write that. I haven't written it yet. Um, we're definitely doing that because we have a cover for it. So 
we're not making Ruben go through all that and not do the book. <laughs> so we're, we're doing the book. It's just not going to be this year. Um, and then, and I hate to say this publicly, um, we are in the research phase for doing our first um, 1920s campaign. Oh, nice. Is this exclusive? Um, you're probably the first person I've talked to about it. Um, this may be a 2020 or a 2021 Kickstarter. We are hoping for a large um, American Call of Cthulhu campaign that travels from New York to California. And much like the Europeans like to talk about the Orient Express, um, in this country, we had something called the Lincoln Highway. Oh, I was, remember this. Okay, which which is an internet, which is the intercon, you know, the the transcontinental highway leading from New York to California, that closely mirrors that closely follows many of the uh, the pioneer routes that the wagon trains took crossing America. Um, the first scenario, which is one out, which is one out, one of the ones I'll be writing. Um, actually begins at the offices of Golden Goblin Press. Nice. <laughs> where the where the players are hired to go through a an apartment that has they've recently um, purchased all of the items in this apartment from an estate sale. There was there's a uh, story in New York about a pair of I think rich siblings who lived in a penthouse that no one had seen for a while. And there was a legend that there was a fortune hidden in their apartment. So somebody broke in and tried to rob them. And when they went in there, it was a hoarder house. Oof. And, and the, and the burglar was killed in an avalanche of garbage. <laughs> and the smell, I believe alerted the authorities. So the players will be hired by golden goblin press to go through this hoarder penthouse to see if there's anything valuable <laughs> um, in this, this, you know, mountains of garbage and you find something that leads to a, you know, multi-state road trip of horror. Um, it's a dream project of mine. Uh, it really is a dream project of mine. It's been something I've been poking away at mentally um, we're definitely doing it. Uh, a few months ago, I actually uh, sent a copy of the Lincoln Highway book to Jeff Muller to get him percolating about it. Um, and there's a wonderful book from the 20s called The Guide to the Lincoln Highway that tells you every town that the highway runs through. Nice. So we have our roadmap. Right. Um, we we don't. Jeff is definitely attached. Uh, Jeff loves the idea. We have no other authors. We have no artists. We have. It's in the concept phase. But those are the three, possibly four projects. If I do a haunting in Kingsport as a standalone, as a like one week thing, like we did with uh, Cold Warning, mm -hmm. those are the next things we have. You know, for the future. But you know, we'll see how it all turns out. You know, if we don't make this other four hundred dollars, <laughs> are you are you checking now? Are you like actually I checking am. to see I'm if working. we've got any? Uh, yeah. I haven't wanted to look all evening. <laughs> We're still not quite there yet. Oh, and there's been some movement. It's twenty. It's twenty dollars higher than 
it was earlier. <laughs> oh God, please. <laughs> it's it's I, I feel like that woman who's been pregnant for like two, a week after her due date. I'm like, just just get this out of me, please. Let's just fund and start talking about stretch goals. I've got like a whole bunch of fiction authors dying to get, you know, closer to getting their book out. I feel terrible for those poor bastards. Well, we're, we're starting to hit that, that spot though, right? I mean, you get first week last week and then you get doldrum sort of in between. Well, midnight tonight will be one week. Yeah. yeah. We launched one. So not bad. You know, we're at 98% in our first week and we've got three more weeks so you know but yeah we'll hit some open ground i hope over the weekend yeah no but no we've got we definitely have plans for the future uh max oh, is asking go ahead oh and another thing that we have on the on our plans is a um we just recently released a seventh edition conversion for levarius lurko or by invictus campaign we are going to be reprinting that at some point with at least two additional scenarios. Hmm. Nice. Um, and completely converted for seventh edition. Okay, cool. So that will be a, a second edition of, of the legacy of Arius Lurko. And instead of four scenarios, it will be six and possibly seven, Very but cool. that's again, much that's, and it's, you know, it, it, it's coming. It's definitely happening. It's just, we don't have a timetable yet. I mean, I've got three books in the very late stages of production that we can put out very quickly this year. And we're kickstarting another one, possibly two, if we get the fiction one. So we've got a lot going on. Um, I, and I don't want to outpace my supply line. I don't want people to say, well, you still owe me three books. We're not backing anything. So, <laughs> And I wouldn't blame them, which we, we you know, they're coming. They're they're all coming. Yeah. Uh, any other Kickstarters for this year or no? Uh, we have firm plans to do Britannia and Beyond in September. Oh, September. Okay, that's right. Yeah, we did talk about that. Okay. Yep. Yeah. When when you get back from Necronomicon and before you start shopping for Halloween candy. There you go. There you go. All right. Because you know you get you get to because we're horror nerds. Nobody's back in a Kickstarter the week of Halloween. We're all getting drunk and going to parties. Right, and the right. old and and the older ones are taking your kids out, and the really older ones are giving out candy and yelling at people who are nineteen and not in a costume, right. and saying, "Get off my lawn! You don't even have a costume. You're not getting any candy." And then their wife yells at them. Although this may be my personal pain. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but you don't want to run a horror themed Kickstarter the week of Halloween. Yeah, it's 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 like salt in the wounds at that point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we're we're gonna go in September and we're gonna wrap up uh by mid October. And um that'll that'll be the second Kickstarter of the year. Okay, cool. Uh, Max has a question in the in the chat. Compilation of Lovecraft uh Lovecraft County cousin scenarios. Oh boy. Um, oh, country. I'm sorry. Lovecraft country. Can't read. I have recently gotten the rights back to Christmas in Kingsport and Halloween in Dunwich. Okay. Another dream project of mine is to create two new scenarios and put that out as a four scenario collection, which would be Easter and Innsmouth. Oh uh, no. Easter and Arkham and Innsmouth independence day. Um, the Arkham one would involve uh, someone finding Herbert uh, Herbert West's notes. 
Hmm. So we're gonna we're gonna take the whole resurrection of Easter in a really bad direction. <laughs> and uh, Innsmouth Independence Day is when our hybrid, uh, our hybrid, our deep one hybrid PC decides that she wants to join the Daughters of the Re American Revolution and starts looking into her genealogy. Hmm. There you go. And and gets her cousins to help her. Well, I've got a stretch goal for you. Max has got a Valentine's and in Innsmouth if you want it. <laughs> Dude, that's gonna be that's gotta be the rapiest scenario. <laughs> Valentine's and Innsmouth? That's that's horrible. I'm just passing along information. I don't know. <laughs> we we're we're doing those four because those are the four equinox holidays. Yeah, that makes sense. That you makes know, sense. winter, spring, summer, fall. Right. Um, right. You know, we're we're not gonna do you know. Ailes, you know, Arbor Day and Aylesbury. You know, <laughs> we're not gonna, we're not gonna mind this for every holiday we can, we can get. Well, you need some stretch goals. <laughs> to tell them to email me when we get closer to that, that Kickstarter. Um, I'm, I don't even want to think about it right now. I'm just focused on this, this last four hundred twenty dollars and getting this one funded, um, so I can have that stress off my mind and know, okay, we're definitely doing this. Um. I can pay everyone who's worked so hard on this already. Right, right. <laughs> no, but there, you know, I, I love what I do. Um, unfortunately, I'm cursed with lots of ideas to continue to do stuff. Um, I've been reviewed in the industry as quite prolific, which is um, maybe not good, but quite <laughs> prolific. Uh, <laughs> so I, I do like to keep busy. It keeps me out of most trouble. Um, and you know, there are things I want to do. I really want to do that, uh, Pacific book. I really want to do the, um, I really want to do the Lincoln highway scenario. I really want to do the Kingsport cousin collection. I, you know, two more, right. Two scenarios. That's about three months of work for me. It's not anything I couldn't do. It's just, where am I going to find three months when I have so much going on already? I'm really looking forward to clearing some stuff off of our backlog plate. Um, in the next few months so that we can get to a more calm place in the company. But we're on the verge of putting out three, three books um, and, and running a Kickstarter. So it's a bit, it's going to be a busy time for us, but hopefully by Necronomicon, the company will be in a much calmer frame of mind and be able to start making firm plans for 2020. Cool. Very cool. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing you in, in August at Necronomicon so we can hoist the glass together. Amen to that, brother. We'll have to see if we can carve out some time. I know it's it's so much busier for you guys because you you know you're running scenarios and doing panels and uh, you know doing all kinds of stuff. You know, you got the table. I, I I wish I could talk about my panel. Oh, I, I, right. I I can't I can't. Okay. But I I'm they they actually accepted a panel that I pitched. Which, as you know, is not easy. Mm -hmm. um, every, everybody's always got panel ideas, and there's only so much time and that they can fit programming, but they were able to take my panel. Cool. And I will hint that uh, one of my, my co-panelists who's, who's helping me put this together is Chris Spivey. Oh, cool. Nice. I'll have to make sure I get up there and record that one. We're, we're really looking forward to it. I, I'm thrilled i've actually already submitted my gaming events um so i yeah, i'm i'm in all right i'll have to keep my eye for that too <laughs> sometimes i wonder right because like we get a chance to play you know online so like 
when something like Necronomicon comes or, or Carnage, not that I'm going to Carnage Con, but you know, when, when you're in a public space, sometimes I, I kind of want to hold back from that, you know, for people who may not have an opportunity to play with you. Like if that's the one time they get to see you, I kind of feel bad about jumping in and trying to take a spot, you know, like, eh. You have the same right as anybody else. I know. And I know. You're, 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 you know, whoever, whoever reserves a seat at the table comes and plays. I know. I, yeah. I mean, it's, it's whatever. <laughs> the I mean, is different, at, least right? I, at least I know you're a good player. You know? <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> with, with decent hygiene. Although I have to say that the Necronomicon people are the cleanest gamers you'll ever meet. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, and, and there's a lot less of them. And it's, too. Hor- and it's horrible that, that you notice that. <laughs> I mean, there's not 30,000 of us crammed into Providence either. Knock well, on wood, it's getting more popular every year. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's a good thing. It's good. It's still, it's still a good a Providence good is convention. not that big a city. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true, too. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, I, I appreciate you coming on. It, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. I know we, we, you know, we talk offline. You right, know, here right. and there, but it's nice to get to sit down and uh, and chat for a little while. It is. This was nice. It took my mind off of things for like ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> you, you you have to stress because if you don't, you know, nothing gets done. Yeah, no, I, I hear. I feel that. <laughs> the the urgent the urgency of now. Yep. Yep. Well, I mean, that's good. You're living in the present moment. Yes. The only place to be. Well, the only place you can be, unless you're delving into, <laughs> you know, unless you're hanging out with uh, Randolph Carter. You're right, you're right. And you and you could project. Yeah. But no, we're we're trapped in this one temporal space. No, I'm I'm yeah. living. I'm you know I, I I'm doing the best I can every day to to make sure that everything keeps moving forward. You know, I know I've got backers eagerly waiting uh depending on us and we really work hard not to let anyone down and we appreciate that well i we appreciate your support (laughs) we can't we can't do any of what we do without your support yeah yeah i mean you know again that's what it's about we were talking about it beforehand it's just you know getting in and supporting good people doing cool things and you know we get books out of it or we get you know whatever but you know, it's it's nice to throw some support out so that you can continue to do the thing that you love, and then, you know, we get books to play games that we love. So, I mean, it's it's awesome. Yeah, it is. It, it's it's awesome for us too. Like when we, you know, when we're looking at websites and and podcasts, and you know, as an author, you find a group that's, uh, you know, on on YouTube that's played something you wrote, and you're like, holy hell, and you're sitting there. <laughs> watching or listening to people play your scenario it's just there's nothing like it i mean it's you know you hear their interpretation you hear their reaction and you the, the little tweaks the keeper makes to 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 run the narrative forward with mm-hmm. his particular group you know for us it's it's amazing to to see it come full circle you know from us putting us out to the community enjoying it and it's just amazing that they're enjoying it so publicly, you know, that they're sharing it on, on Twitch and on YouTube and, and, and all these other things. It was, it was cool for us. We had, the, we had that experience with Jason Williams. Uh, we'd played um, a Secrets in Tibet scenario, and he stumbled across it, and he was like, hey, here's a group of people playing a thing that I wrote, and, like, you know, here's the link or whatever. And I was like, oh, shit. 
So, you know, for whatever reason, we weren't friends on Facebook. I'm like, oh, my God, that's so cool. Like, and he's like, oh, I really enjoyed you guys' interpretation and whatever. So now we're friends on Facebook. (laughs) Like a con I went to last year, somebody was running part one of Ripples from Carcosa. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And I was like, I'm going to show up at that guy's table and sit down and ask if he had room for a standby and not say anything. And and just kind of like see how far I get, and the guy like found me immediately when the con started, and he goes, "Hey, I'm running your thing," and I'm like, "Ah, oh, I couldn't, be, I didn't get a chance to be that douchebag," you know? It's like, but that was like really weird. It's like I'm looking, oh, who else is running stuff? Oh, somebody's running Call of Cthulhu, Cthulhu Invictus. I wrote this. Holy <laughs> hell! And so that was that was pretty pretty cool, pretty amazing. How did he do? <laughs> I We were running at the same time. I had to run my game. He was on the other side of the room. Everybody seemed like they were having a good time. That's awesome. That's awesome. Are, are you going to be running Invictus at, at Necro? I am going to be running Invictus. I'm going to be running one of the scenarios that will be part of Britannia and Beyond because I will be actively promoting Britannia and, Britannia and Beyond uh, at, the, at the con. Um, it's a, an older scenario I wrote a long time ago called um, Immortal Harvest hmm. that uh, has gone through a very big expansion and 7th edition conversion. Um, so I will be running uh, Immortal Harvest. I will also be running um, The Undesirables, my Cthulhu adventure. Cool. And I will be rounding out the trilogy, the trio of games I'm running by. Uh, God help me, I am running a family way. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And no, I'm run, and then I'm running it privately for. Oh, you're running. Okay, okay. No, I'm running nice, a nice. public, a public family way. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, cool. And, and is Bill running anything? I'm, I'm assuming Bill's coming out too, right? Yes, um, and Bill will also be. He's also sent in his advance. Um, I don't know exactly what he's running, um, but I know he's going to be running his scenario that will be in Britannia and beyond. So we're both running our two Britannias. I believe his is Whispers and Promises. Okay, cool. <laughs> Max said, show up and take my money. That's <laughs> 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 All right, cool. Well, again, I, thank you for coming on. I'm, I'm, we probably let you go. It's pushing, what, like uh, 11 o'clock? <laughs> oh, I have no Time flies when you're drinking a... <laughs> Buttload of tea and having fun. Yeah. Uh, well, this was fun. So, um, again, you ever need a guest? Um, I don't. I, I don't need to be promoting something to come on. Um, and I, I don't really need to do any research because you know, kind of like Scott, we just kind of wind you up and push you out. And- yeah. Give me enough. Uh, give me a venue to talk and some some caffeine, and I'll 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 just keep going. It's kind of what I do. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I, I will uh, throw out before we uh, before we jump out of here. We know we ask people to spend money all the time. We do a lot of Kickstarter stuff. Uh, we also have a couple of sponsors. We have uh, Birds of a Feather Coffee Company. They have the Legendary Brew. Uh, it's an awesome medium roast coffee. They're a small craft uh, batch, a small batch craft coffee roaster. Wow, I should know that by now. Um, and, it, and it's roasted by our own Neil. Uh, the the legends is roasted to order. It's not like regular stock. He has his own branding with the night owl blend and the the hummingbird stuff and all that. So that that's good coffee as well. But we make money on the legends thing, so you want to probably order that. I know Oscar loves it. Somebody's been sending it to him, so that's pretty cool. Yes, 
Yes, I still have. I got two bags for Christmas. I've got one left. I like to. I'm. Switch I'm a. Co- yeah, I'm a coffee nerd. It's like, hey, what am I in the mood for today? Yep, I do that a little bit. Legends is really what I have in the house. My mom picked up some stuff from me uh, when they were out at Sedona, so I mix that in every now and again. But but <laughs> Legends your- is. That's it. Other than Legends, which of course is the best coffee anyone can ever order, what what's your what's your go to? I've I've been drinking this for so long now. I don't know. <laughs> well, if you're going to treat yourself. Um, I had a well when we were in Hawaii. I picked up a nice bag of Kona. That was really oh, good. Wow. Um, wow. I, so like I do coffee like I do beer now. It's craft stuff. It's you know, I pay extra money. I get stuff that's fresh someone, roasted. Someone got me an eighth of a pound of Blue Mountain Jamaican for Christmas. Mm-hmm. And an eighth of a pound is still a horrifically expensive amount of coffee yeah. for Blue Mountain Jamaican. And I'm like, oh, my God, is it actually going to live up to the hype of, you know, blue? And it did. It was so good. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm going to cry when I'm out of this. <laughs> You gotta get the the civet coffee, the the poop coffee. <laughs> oh no, uh, no, I'm good, I'm good. I have no interest. I have no interest in the one that goes through the cat. No, I'm good. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't. Well, you know what? I might try it. I don't know. If somebody gave me a cup and be like, yeah, hey, whatever. <laughs> There's this weird Indian coffee uh, called Monsoon Malabar that mm. they they said, okay, we dry it. Um, it's in this one province, and we dry it. And every morning, the mist from the ocean comes and and kind of seasons the drying beans with this saltwater mist. <laughs> they give it its own distinctive flavor. And I heard this on a show. And I'm like, this is the biggest crock I've ever heard in my <laughs> life. No way this can be good. I mean, and then I, I had some. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's really good. Right. <laughs> and I, I hated myself for liking it. Now it's like my one of my go-tos. There you go. After, I'm like. Like this is this is gonna be this is a total scam and I was like no it's it's actually has a nice nutty undertone <laughs> like again you're you're craft beer coffee guy uh, yeah guy. yeah <laughs> I'll have to I have to write that down when I go back and edit so I can check it out <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it seems like it's BS but it's actually good nice. And then our, our other sponsor is Thing 12 Games. Uh, they're a small independent game publishing and development company. Uh, they've got cool games like the Dice of series. They have Dice of Pirates and Dice of Crowns. They have uh, Click, Click, Boom, which is a social deduction game. They have Seals of Cthulhu, which should be shipping soon. It's probably on pre-order now. Uh, they have something else that I'm forgetting. I hold think. on, hold on. Seals of Cthulhu. Are we yes. talking... Like the locks or no, the animal? It's a it's a two player card game. Each uh, each player has an identical set of cards, but one player is the cultist and one player is the investigator. So the value of the cards is inverse. So if you're the investigator, you know the the seal is worth. Uh, I think it's if unless I'm mistaken, I think it's worth one point. But for the, the cultists, it's worth five. See, right? I, was, I, was hoping, I was hoping it'd be like the animal seals. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that would have been an amazing game. Right. But I can see how the other one works better. Yeah, I mean, it's okay, right? <laughs> it, it's really cool. Their production value is, is great. 
Uh, they do lighter, smaller fare. To, you know, you're not going to get like a heavy, at least right now, you're not going to get a heavy Euro from them. But you're going to get some some fun games, something you can stick in your pocket. You can take around, you throw it in a backpack. Uh, you know, I take them with me when I go to conventions and stuff like that. Uh, you know, of course, we, we play around the house. Uh, and, and they're good guys, right? Like, like Oscar, you want to support good people doing cool things. Thing 12 games, you can support them as well. Uh, at either Birds or Thing 12 games, if you use the code LEGENDS10, you're going to get 10% off your order. And uh, we hope you order early and you order often. All right. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll catch you next time. Bye, everyone. This podcast is a proud member of the Legends of Tabletop broadcast network. For more gaming-related content, please visit www.legendsoftabletop.com.